From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. You're with Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio TNT. So here we are. It's uh, 2024. Can you believe it? And today is the first day of 2024, January the 1st, 2024. TNT Radio is marching merrily towards its second birthday. If we're spurred and we're still broadcasting on the 10th of January, we will reach the two-year milestone. And of course, some of you lovely folk out there have been with us right from the get-go. And it's been quite the journey to take us to this point. And we want to believe like life the best is yet to come. We have a lot in store for you lovely people here this morning. Those of you who have dragged your carcasses out of bed or you're listening late at night in various time zones across the world. Uh, this is a live show. Uh, we're on the ball kicking off the new year in style and we hope that you will accompany us throughout the year right the way to this time next year. All being well. So Natalie and Gemma and I uh, will be discussing various news items during the course of this hour and also uh, we have two guests coming on. We're going to be joined today by Nicholas Cotton and also Francis O'Neill during the course of the hour who are going to be talking about uh, some relevant news topics that are currently undergoing in the UK at this point in time. And of course, uh, if you want to, still open line. You feel free to give us a call at any time that you like uh, and uh, or leave your thoughts and opinions and comments in our live chat and we will do our level best to pick those comments up, maybe some suggestions in there, links through to stories that you believe would be relevant to some of the things that we're talking about here today. And of course, many thanks to all of you for the lovely messages that you've been leaving in the live chat, especially towards the tail end of last year and some lovely emails uh, that we've also been getting uh, on our contact pages through the TNT Live Radio website. We appreciate those messages as well. And uh, Jock, just a shout out to Jock here this morning if you're listening in. It was nice to see you. He said there's a little pick of him. And he's not quite the way I pictured him to be. I didn't actually have a picture in my head of what Jock would look like, but he actually... I shouldn't say he actually looks very distinguished and intelligent. I don't mean that the way it sounds, but I was quite taken aback. Jock, you look fantastic. You look very dapper and you look like a serious individual. So nice to see Jock uh, over the course of the weekend as well. So uh, how are we going to kick this one off today? Well, fires. Uh, fires have been burning in Ireland. Uh, a lot of uh, these direct provision processing centres uh, that have been earmarked for people coming in from overseas have actually been torched over the last week. And just to give you some idea of the scale of this, I'll just read you out a few names. Uh, Moville in Donegal, burnt. Uh, Ruski in Roscommon, burnt. Ballinamore in Leitrim, burnt. Buncrana, Donegal, burnt. Rosslare, Wexford, burnt. Sherd Street, Dublin, burnt. Pierce Street, Dublin, burnt. Findlas, Dublin, burnt. Ballybrack, Dublin, burnt. Bally Conlig in Cork, burnt. Holiday Inn in Dublin, burnt. Roska Hill in Galway, burnt. And now recently, Ringshead in Dublin, also burnt to the ground. So these are not one-off incidences, as you can see. Uh, the tensions are running very high in Ireland uh, at the tail end of last year. And judging by that list that I have just read out to you, that's up to date as per today, uh, a lot of places are going up in smoke because residents don't want, uh, well, of course, a lot of these fires, uh, they haven't quite come to the 
you know, the root cause of what caused them? Was it electrical failure? Was it arson attacks? Who set fire to them? We don't know in many of the cases, but what we do know is that these buildings were all earmarked for people coming in claiming to be either refugees or asylum seekers. So it's very sad that that happens. Uh, these buildings have been burned out. They could have been used for other things, but uh, tensions are currently running very high in Ireland this year. But uh, we're going to do somewhat to report on that this year, but of course, to dispel some of the uh, blackness that's hanging over the heads uh, of many, many people in the UK and Ireland at the minute and how we actually deliver our news stories this morning. So uh, without any further ado, I'm going to take a quick pause, inhale, take a little sip of water during our little split second pause and welcome Natalie and Gemma to take the stand here on the one and only TNT Radio. The facts, no spin or agenda. Not enough with the lies, we need the facts. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I'm going to just say this, guys. I was uh, detached completely from all things news, from all things social media over the last uh, week to 10 days, and it's been absolutely bliss. And some people are asking questions, and I'm going to ask you the same questions, how you're going to approach 2024. I was walking to the beach the other day and a man with a big golden retriever was walking towards me. The dog sat down. Uh, uh, he allowed us to pass. And he said, you know what? He just doesn't want to leave the beach. And I said to the owner, well, can you blame him? Let's be honest. Can you blame him for wanting to leave the beach? Then when we arrived there, there were all these Springer Spaniels running around, diving in the wheels, chasing after tennis balls. And I thought to myself, if I could approach 2024 in a nutshell, let me be like a dog on a beach, just focused on what was directly in front of me, getting plenty of fresh air, plenty of exercise, and not really caring too much about what is going on around me. That's my top tip for the year. Uh, Gemma Cooper, what is your uh, strategy for 2024 in a nutshell? Well, it's interesting you mentioned dogs there, Rick, actually, because I've got a dog and uh, she's old now, but I just sometimes think she just does exactly what she wants when she wants. She's the only creature on the planet that can tell me what to do, and I do it quite willingly. But she gets up, she eats, she goes back to bed. Then she'll get up and ask me for another snack. Then she'll go retire to her morning room. And if she wants to go out for a walk, she'll let me know. Very rare these days. She just exists in a world of pure bliss, you know? And I think, yeah, just kind of act like you own the room and you will own the room and uh, do what makes you happy. That's what my dog does. And I'm telling you, she's pushing 16 now. She's like the terminator of the dog world. She's outlived all her owners, you know, <laughs> and all carers and shows no sign of going anywhere anytime soon. So whatever she's doing, it's working for her. And it's no coincidence, is it, that dog is God spelled backwards. I think they can mm. teach us a lot. Well, yeah, that's an interesting take on it to you. Uh, Natalie, uh, I know you're uh, planning, at least planning, and I believe you're going to succeed uh, because if other people can do it, you can do it too. Stay on the wagon for the entire 2024. What's your top tip uh, going into this year? What are you focusing on this year, just in a nutshell? I quite like the idea of a dog's life now you both mention it just uh, just spending time by the beach and just give people giving me snacks whenever I want and sleep uh, but now I'm not going to be able to do that um, I'm going to uh, attempt uh, 365 days sober I did do four months last year I did a dry February and three months at the end of the year but I think it's uh, the new year should be all about focusing on yourself, being the best version of yourself. Yes, we know there's a lot of outer chaos in the news, but you can create your own inner peace. So uh, mm. for me, that's about uh, uh, 
cutting back the alcohol, getting fit, uh, more exercise, just being the best version of myself. And I think you'll mm. then be in a better position to uh, handle whatever life throws at you. Mm. Sage advice there uh, from both Natalie and, of course, from Gemma. And if you have any thoughts and suggestions or what's your approach for uh, 2024, your survival strategy, what you're going to focus on in a nutshell, leave us a comment in the live chat on tntradio.live and we will do our level best uh, to pick up on those uh, comments and maybe read some of them out here on air. But without any further ado, Gemma, we've got a new story to kick us off here in 2024. Echoes of a few years ago when there was a terrible uh, tsunami in the, uh, in the Indian Ocean. Uh, many, many people were killed now. Japan has had a series of very major earthquakes and they have been put on Tsunami Watch. Also, what's the uh, lowdown in this one? Well, I mean, the story's just broken in the last hour and a half or so, but yeah, an earthquake of 76 uh, on the Richter scale has hit Japan and uh, there's a major tsunami warning in place. A 1.2 meter high wave has already hit the port of Wajima. There's loads and loads of footage on, on social media, uh, the train station. Uh, I've got to be careful how I pronounce these names. My Japanese is non-existent, but Kanazawa station uh, shaking from side to side. Also some homes and, and interiors of buildings shaking we've got uh, footage of people hiding under desks in uh, in shops and uh, and, and homes in japan um, and all high-speed trains have been stopped Thirty-six thousand homes are without power and the waves have started hitting it's the west coast this time uh the 2011 tsunami that was the last worst one to hit japan was on the northeastern side this is on the west coast and also north korea which shares their body of water with japan and parts of eastern russia have also been issued tsunami alerts by the the Pacific Tsunami Warning Center. So there is a massively big deal. Um, people who live near the coast, near lakes, near rivers have been told to get to the high ground as soon as possible. There's a huge amount of footage of um, river basins swaying from side to side as the body of water moves, as the tectonic plates move. Of course, Japan is on the Pacific Rim of Fire, so it is a country that is prone to earthquakes and tsunamis. And the country is very much geared up for this. Their architecture is built to withstand huge earthquakes. The last one in 2011 was uh, nine on the Richter scale. There were footage of uh, building skyscrapers in Tokyo swaying from side to side, but not collapsing. That's how geared up they are. They're very prepared for this sort of thing. And uh, children from a young age are trained in tsunami evacuation drills. So everything is underway in Japan for an event like this, but uh, it, it's escalating all the time. Already on social media, there's some footage that's been put up and it is of the old tsunami in 2011 and people are crediting it with, the, with this one. And that was far more disruptive and destructive, that one, um, at the moment. Um, but it's easy to get the two. That's the problem with social media, isn't it? People can post all sorts of things and say, this is happening right now. And it's actually happening from 2011. Um, the last uh, earthquake and tsunami uh, that it caused, um, it caused actually Japan to drop down into the ocean. And that's why the waves were able to break the defenses so thoroughly, the tsunami defenses, which the, the country has plenty of. But because the country literally dropped a few centimeters the waves were able to break the defenses and that last one was so strong that it uh, it changed the planet's axis by 17 centimeters and it also changed the rotating speed of the earth for a while um, which is an extremely interesting fact this earthquake isn't quite as strong but 7.6 on the richter scale is causing a huge amount of problems and if you look the the train station at kanzanawa is just literally shaking like that i mean extremely frightening if you if you're there um that you know who wants to be in an earthquake but as i say this country is geared up for it uh, they have very good defenses in place they have very good evacuation programs so let's just hope 
that that all works well and we don't see the 18 and a half thousand deaths that we saw in Japan in 2011. Mm. What do you reckon? That earthquakes bad enough and enough themselves, but then you have to worry about uh, if you're by the coast, like Japan's obviously an island, they've got to worry about literally their coastline getting swamped. And even if they do manage to evacuate, uh, the whole place could be ruined, you know, flooded out, uh, places swept away. Must be hell living there at this time of the year. Yeah, I mean, I'm no expert on uh, these matters, but I certainly remember this time of year watching those awful uh, footage. Um, but from what I remember, uh, it wasn't expected back then. Those awful waves were coming in and people had still been on the beach and, and you know, there was no real evacuation. So I'm hoping this time round, uh, from reading the reports, reading what uh, I've seen in the papers, what Gemma's now updated with us, that they are evacuating people and uh, that it's not going to be more damaged to properties and uh, the actual uh, beaches and, and things like that rather than than actual deaths. So that's that's the only thing we can hope on this one, that they've given enough warning um, and there's not going to be as many fatalities, Rick. Yeah, a lot of uh, knowledge could be taken as well, Gemma, from the way these Japanese actually approach their infrastructure, their architecture, yeah. as you've already alluded to, is incredible. It bends and sways to take account of these uh, earthquakes in that part of the world. And of course, uh, they're super efficient over there, the railway lines over there, and just the basic infrastructure is incredible. I think the world could take a lot of uh, leanings or a lot of uh, learning from Japanese architectural books as well. It's also a very beautiful place, although we've never been, but I like the look of it. Maybe we'll end up there. Someday, what do you reckon? Get a studio out there and just retire to Okinawa. That's um, a, that, would, right. that would be lovely. <laughs> yeah, not right now though, Rick. I think I'd uh, uh, while they're evacuating, yeah. I think I'll give it yeah. a miss. I'm not going to try thought, travel there just yet. You never thought you'd say no. I'll stick to Reading. Thank you very much. But yeah. in this case, yeah, yeah, exactly. Me and I will stick uh, exactly where I am too. So uh, we've got a call time in this one night, Gemma. Many thanks, of course, as always, and a very happy new year to you too. Uh, you will be back again during Locked and Loaded for another news editorial. In the meantime, we've got to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we will be introducing Nick Cotton take the stand and that late we'll be having a little chat with him so please don't go away stay tuned for more here on tnt radio tnt radio's timothy shea the double standard is out there it's so obvious it's so frustrating eric holder gets held in contempt of congress for defying a congressional subpoena nothing happens obama's doj didn't pursue it steve bannon and peter navarro defy a congressional subpoena joe biden's doj criminally prosecutes them criminally prosecutes them for defying a congressional subpoena. And now we've got congressional subpoenas of Hunter Biden and James Biden, the resident's brother. And guess what? Nothing's going to be done by Merrick Garland, Barack Obama, Joe Biden's DOJ. That's right, I said Barack Obama. Obama's the shadow president. He's not the one pulling the strings. He wasn't pulling the strings in his own administration. You know, Valerie Jarrett was his minder. Where is the Iranian-born Valerie Jarrett these days? Haven't seen or heard much of her. It's because the Democrats are smart. Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Take us back in time. And who was Mike Flynn? He was the National Security Advisor to the president. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming president of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, you have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? 
There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations, that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's going to protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. This moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism or you're talking about communism, socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism. But the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone Road. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization and brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat. People will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The fall of deceit at Salem now. It's time to switch on today's news talk radio. Very entertaining. Yeah. TNT. And let me introduce our very first guest on Open Line. His name is Nicholas Cotton. He's an independent journalist and documenter. You can find his work at jack.uk. Uh, he's a self-proclaimed professional troll. His Twitter page bio reads, I piss people off by telling the truth. And uh, the truth is exactly what we want to hear on TNT Radio. I thought we'd start this morning uh, by talking about the story of Boris Johnson returning to the political arena. Uh, he's come back to GPGB News as a presenter. What are your thoughts, Nick, on this one? Boris coming on to GB News and his uh, lovely Happy New Year's X uh, speech that they've released. It's a bit it's a bit beyond. I always think there's no new depths we can sink to. Um, but no, <laughs> there is. We're, we're kicking off the year really, yeah. really strong. My first observation is that he looks 50 times as ill in that video as he did when covid nearly killed him supposedly um and this this narrative is so bonkers and balmy and what i like to point out is that unless neil oliver and people like that boycott the station when something like this happens then blah 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 like what your words don't mean anything if you're then sat there with Bo we're gonna hand over to boris johnson like how many tory mps have their own shows on gb news now do you know you know they say that the woke left uh, ofcom are coming after them um they've actually hauled them over the coals because they have too many members of the government sitting around talking about what a great job they've been doing that's like actually a pretty good re I hate Ofcom for all sorts of reasons, but 
that's legit. Like, GB News couldn't possibly be more establishment. It's just the government sitting there sort of clapping about how great they are. And I guess they give Neil Oliver and people like that. Like, have you guys ever seen the movie Network from the 70s? No, no, no I haven't. Never Rick, you've never seen this? Haven't seen Network, Nick, no. Okay, you probably, like you're probably familiar with the I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore clip. Yeah. You've seen a clip of a guy, a newsreader, getting mad as hell because the government's so corrupt. I've got to go see it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a really classic clip, but the whole movie is basically about like, well, this guy goes mad and he realizes there's a big conspiracy, but they give him his own show because it's just fantastic for ratings. And that yeah. is what it looks like now. It's like, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Yes, they're letting you do this. There was also a Black Mirror episode about it, wasn't there? There was the sort of X Factor one where um, uh, it was the same guy that was in Get Out, wasn't it? And and. He's, he's on the X Factor and then he holds like some glass to his throat and talks about how they're all in a slave system. So they give him his own shows so that he can just do that. Um, it's all looking a yeah. bit sad. Yeah, Nick, I tell have me to this. Very, yeah. I, I was just going to comment on, on his appearance as well. I know, you know, this might sound you know really superficial, but he's always came across, you know, made himself look buffoonish. But his hair in this uh, latest video clip is extra crazy and he looks like he's lost a hell of a lot of weight in a very very short space of time there's some uh side by side footage of him from about a month ago and the way he is now he looks like he's almost emaciated in this one you referenced uh, his bout allegedly with covid back in april of 2022 did he or didn't he you know there was a whole shenanigans and talk about his health back then is this something else thrown into the mix uh, to get people talking and distracted the way he's actually looking at a minute or do you think he could actually be genuinely very ill I, I don't know. I, I With all of the weird behavior with Biden and the sort of evidence of masks and strange things going on, um, I've always been very suspicious about what exactly happened when he was taken away for a couple of days and then came out again, um, having been miraculously saved by our NHS. Um, you know, people were saying, well, he, you know, he was given a dressing down and told how the world really works and this kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm not completely against this mad clone theory based on the Biden stuff. So the truth is, I don't know. These people who are in public office, their weight and their hair and everything about them, their physical appearance seems to like fluctuate from hour to hour. So um, all bets are off. I certainly don't believe in mainstream science anymore. So... Yeah, I did. I did make a joke that they might come out and uh, be the face of long COVID. Uh, so you know, yeah, that that will be the next thing that he can advertise on GB News. Uh, so you won't be signing up for the subscription fee, then, Nick. They're going to start offering uh, like special interviews with Boris Johnson on GB News, and you can pay a little bit of a fee to go watch him. You're not going to be jumping to pay the fee. Oh, right. Is this a bit like the Top Gear audience? They're going to have a bunch uh, of yeah. people just sort of milling around in the background. Yeah. I was wondering this. Who Who is going to be a guest on Boris Johnson's show? Because this was always the thing with Dan Wooten when everything came out about that. It was like, this is where I start to find the news really fun, is when you find that there's some real dirt on someone. It's kind of got out. They're trying to contain it. And then you sort of look at everyone who sat on their sofa and go... 
<laughs> what's going on there because if i know this sat at home and i'm not in your inner circle i think you guys have probably heard the rumors so you're all you're all in on it together so i would be interested to see who would actually when is it kicking off when is boris's show kicking off yeah, I don't think they've uh, given a, a direct announcement. Uh, but as you've said, um, I researched like the uh, Ofcom um, impartiality thing this morning. Uh, obviously, they've already been rebuked several times. And it does seem a bit strange because they're saying they're bringing Boris in uh, to essentially push the Tory vote. Uh, but at the same time, they've got a duty to be impartial and bring the truth. So I'm not really sure how they're going to do both at the same time. Uh, how can how can Boris come in and be impartial? Yet he's been prime minister and he's been a Tory before. Um, it's, it's not really looking good for GP news generally anyway is it no i mean i think the station is kind of an open cesspit at this point and I'll yeah. i've been thinking about this that like when talk radio and talk tv and gb news because i kind of see them all as one thing the presenters sort of hop about between them yes. um when they because they haven't been around that long i don't even think talk radio's been around that long because it was always lbc and then i think it came along as a competitor um, so they're fairly new, but from day one, they felt old, like really old. They felt like dinosaur channels. You, you can't cope about them being new and fresh and vibrant because it genuinely feels like it's from like 40 years ago, not five years ago. It feels way behind the times, that sort of studio setup. And I think that's because it is, because what's happening on a really broad level at the moment is that these corrupt systems have become so corrupt that they can't sustain anymore. So an example is the BBC. The BBC became so corrupt and it was lying all the time that there was the demand for people to get their news from elsewhere, which created the need for stations like TNT, which I think does feel like it's the new thing. Like I love the way that it sort of cycles between the countries every eight hours. It feels like a fresh new development. And I feel like I'm on board with something here. Whereas GB News felt like, I mean, it's first sort of two weeks, everyone was mocking it for all its sort of sound issues, which, um, you know, you can give them allowances for, but I'm kind of flabbergasted that like the work that I do, I've never seen them do anything like that, which is simply making a half hour piece about a topic or an hour long piece. I've, I used to do streaming and now I much prefer to get the message across in like an hour long documentary, basically, which is what the BBC does documentaries and all that. They haven't done anything like this. They're not attempting no. to, to like catch up with the culture. And I think that's just because they're generally staffed by all people that worked at the Sun and worked here and worked there. So it's not it's the dinosaurs from the old brigade just basically using this word woke to yeah. craft the pathetic new little job for a few more years, I think. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, hopefully everyone out there listening will continue listening to TNT. But don't forget to check out uh, Nick as well at jack.uk and uh, at ed underscore unwa on Twitter. Uh, time for our headlines. Thank you, Nick. And uh, we will got more stories after the break here at TNT Radio. Here's what's making news. news. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. 
Donald Trump has been removed from the presidential race in a second state just hours after he was put back on the ballot in Colorado. After previously welcoming migrants to the Big Apple, New York City Mayor Eric Adams is now complaining his city has reached breaking point. And it's been revealed Israel never gave civilians a chance to escape Gaza's largest refugee camp before dropping two of the largest bombs in its arsenal on the site back in October. The common housefly caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNT Radio. Dot live. Okay, we're back. We're coming at you live from our undisclosed location in the Gold Coast in Australia. And we have another guest lined up for you lovely listeners here this morning, the 1st of January 2024. All being well, we're going to be joined imminently. In fact, he's incoming now like an Exocet missile by the one and only Francis O'Neill. And Francis is no stranger. The TNT Radio. I can remember talking to this lovely chap last year. We had a very good conversation last year, and here he is back again on Year's Day. So big thanks to him, Francis O'Neill. He's a Yellow Boards campaigner. He's also a, a superb writer. I was reading a Substack article of his. In fact, I uh, perused his Substack page last night, waiting for the clock to strike midnight. Uh, and he's a rather deft writer, also a commentator and an artist based in the UK. Francis, happy year to you, and uh, welcome back to TNT Radio. How are you doing? Thank you very much. How are you? Yeah, yeah, we're doing all right here and uh, we're happy to have you on as a guest. We only have a limited amount of time here, so I want to try and squeeze as much in as possible. You have just written uh, a piece uh, on your latest Substack post, uh, which, by the way, if you use the Substack platform, you can link up with Francis at francisoneil.substack.com. Uh, he's written a piece and uh, he preambles it with, if the truth does not fear inquiry, what are we to make of narratives that are supported by a barrage of media propaganda or taboo or even illegal to question anti-Semitism and censorship. So this seems to be one of the buzzwords at the tail end of 2023, Francis going into 2024, anti-Semitism. It's a it's a it's a provocative word, it's an evocative word. It conjures up all sorts of images. People are tippy-toeing around the issue. Uh, what do you make of this after? post uh, October 7th issues in uh, the Middle East. Uh, where, where are we at with this in terms of what people feel that they can and cannot say? Well, I think it's it's, it's used often as a way of shutting down um, any kind of criticism of the Israeli state. And it's also like a bit of a minefield, even for me to talk about on here, because people will automatically accuse you of anti-Semitism if, if you dare to criticize or to even to discuss this subject seems to be a bit of a taboo. Um, and yet, if we just zoom out a little bit and say, like, if I was on, on here criticizing the actions of the British government or the American government or the Saudi government or the Chinese government, nobody would ever for a moment think that I was being racist. If I was to uh, criticize um, the Catholic Church, you know, as I mentioned in my article about um, mm -hmm. paedoph paedophile scandals, no one would think that I had any kind of axe to grind. They do think that would be a reasonable thing to do. So I think it's important that we maintain our kind of moral um, framework regardless of who or what we're talking about and if there are actions going on which are which warrant criticism or, or warrant scrutiny at the very least then we should be kind of um 
permitted or or um, if that's not quite the right word we should feel um unfettered in being able to address them and i think that this word uh, anti-semitism is is bandied around to the point of almost meaninglessness as a way of preventing um criticism of the israeli state and those are two separate things yeah, there's a very important differentiation there that you make between the Israeli state and the Israeli people. Uh, that article that you wrote in Substack as well, yeah. you, you mentioned uh, back in the 80s when Salman Rushdie wrote the Satanic Verses and Ayatollah Khomeini put a fatwa out in him. In fact, still hanging over his head. He was almost killed a year or two ago, I think, live on stage. Some guy jumped up and stabbed him almost to death. But back then, uh, you know, America, he was trying to paint America as being, you know, uh, this sort of satanic figure. He wasn't referring, or at the time, it wasn't being alluded to that that was the American people on, on the mass. It's the American regime that was pushing uh, various regime changes throughout the world. So, for example, in the Middle East, uh, when you had those events that happened uh, on the October the 7th and then Israel, uh, the Israeli state retaliated uh, or uh, attacked Gaza and started killing women and children en masse. It, it, that wasn't the actions of all Israeli people or all people that were professing to be Jews. That was Netanyahu and company uh, unleashing hell on the residents of Gaza. So it is important to differentiate the two uh, and, and, and to be able to call a spade a spade. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think there's. Uh, it's also important to note that there are um, anti-Zionist groups which are made up of Jews. There are Jews who oppose this. Um, I think uh, within Israel, there's a difficulty because lots of people are conscripted into the um, into the forces over there, the armed forces and the military. So they almost. Um, and I've met, I actually met some as a youth. I was out like in a youth hostel and, and some of these guys, and they hated being conscripted and they hated what they had to do and they felt like there was no escape from that. But. Um, to some extent, um, I mean, not everybody will be like that. Some people probably think they're doing the right thing by joining the force, and maybe they agree with some of the sentiments expressed by some of the Israeli ministers that that uh, Gazans or Palestinians are human animals and that they need to be wiped from the face of the earth. Um, there'll be a whole range of uh, opinion, just as there would be in any community. But um, I, the thing, the thing with that is, it sort of makes the Israeli people complicit if they've all been in the uh, the military and and had to take part in some way, however minimal in the actions of the idf and the israeli government and so it's difficult for, for criticism to come from within um in that, although the, it still does come from within israel there are some groups who oppose it with from within israel and i think it's important to remember that it's not just one homogenous mass of people like uh, who all think the same way like uh, uh, although it's presented that way and 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 also the 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 events of um of recent events they, they don't operate outside a historical context and the Israeli government hasn't always told the truth. But again, I, I always like you have to categorize that and say like, okay, but neither has the British government and the American government. And and people have to be aware also of these these things like a false flag attacks. And I think if you hold that in mind, Israel has had um, roles in false flag attacks that are documented where they blame another party for an attack so that they can gain popular support for something military action that they wish to um, undertake. Now, this, this, these false flag attacks are documented throughout history, throughout the 20th century, by Israel and by other countries. And again, it's important that we're able to, say, to express that freely and, and and to consider what we're being told by what we know to be lying governments um, before we reach jump to conclusions. And, and I think that's one of the major problems that we have when dealing with Israel, because some, for some reason, well, for some reason, which which the reasons will be that 
Um, one of the reasons is that it's uh, an association is made with the political state of Israel that we have now and the biblical people of Israel, which means that some people's sympathies are automatically on the side of the this state called Israel, which they think has a um, an absolute uh, correlation with the biblical people of Israel. And so like Christians and Jews, and the sort of what you might call the right the right christian right have an automatic sympathy with that and and i think that's dangerous because at the moment we have um uh, they're trying to channel people's in the west in europe and america they're trying to channel people's allegiances into different factions so you've got a rising muslim population in europe and you have um a, a traditionally we're traditionally a christian culture and if you put those two in opposition then you can create fireworks not just in the middle east you can create them um in europe and in the west and i think that's something of what's been happening as well it is not uh what's your thoughts on this one in closing uh we've been monitoring this talking about it on and off since october are you seeing uh division being stoked in this area of course it's being used as a as a tool to cause more division what do you reckon Absolutely. I mean, I would I would agree with everything that Francis has said. And and somebody, I mean, I'm no history expert, and I've just felt guilty almost. You know, even asking a question. I mean, that's what I like to do. I like to ask questions. And even if you ask the wrong question, you're kind of put in some kind of category nowadays. You know, the views are so polarized. You know, you I can be anti-Semitic just by asking about the history of Israel. No, you have to be on this side, or you have to be on this side. And and that's exactly what they want. And that's how you stoke division uh you by by putting you in either category rick i think it is uh francis uh absolutely incredible uh topic to get into don't have the time to go any deeper than that at the minute but i do genuinely encourage anyone out there that's listening uh if you like a good read check out francis substack which is francisoneal.substack.com or the links are there on his x or twitter page and again he can be found at francis o'neill and that's o'neill with two l's listen we're out of time my friend lovely to see you again and also a uh, big thanks to you for taking the time out to join us here on new year's day i'm sure there's other things that you could have been doing but we really do appreciate uh, your time and input and hopefully uh see you again sooner rather than later that is the wonderful francis o'neill so uh we're motoring through the show here at a rate of Thank knots you. we've got to take another break welcome back anytime my friend we've got to take another break and when we come back natalie and i are going to finish things up as normal here on open line so please stay tuned to tnt radio when a crisis hits close to home and across the globe, nonprofits are on the front lines, ready to serve. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. The demand for charitable services has skyrocketed, and nonprofits are rising to meet the needs. Healing, nurturing, rescuing, honoring, protecting, caring inspiring the work of philanthropic organizations of all sizes across all missions has never been more important and it's donors and volunteers like you who make all this possible thank you together we change the world the nonprofit alliance i was such a young age everything changed my name is Chloe. When I was 13, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. When I found out 
I just didn't know how to react. I felt like everything was just kind of closing in on me. It just became a routine. Dad's doing chemo. I'd come home from school, wait for mum to finish work, and we'd go straight to the hospital, spend a few hours there, just draw. It was hard to navigate going to school. Hundreds of kids and I was the only one with a dying dad. He was diagnosed in March and then he died in October. Towards the end, I heard about canteen. It kind of felt nice to know that they had other people like me. They understood what I was going through and we didn't even have to chat about cancer. In 2020, I became a youth ambassador so I can help others the way they helped me. I've done so many things since I was 13. I've graduated high school, university, gotten my licence, made a move across the country. Life now is just a whole lot more fun. Please give a gift today to support more young people like me experiencing cancer. You're with Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio TNT. Okay, uh, so we're still going. Uh, we're still going. We've kicked off January to a pretty good start, I think, January the 1st, 2024. And also, of course, Happy New Year. I don't know if I've actually said this or not, but Happy New Year to everyone who's actually listening in at the minute. Maybe you've just joined uh, after the beginning of the show. So everyone that's listening in at the minute, or should I say watching in also, because you can check us out on YouTube or Rumble or Odyssey or any of the major streaming platforms, have a very happy and blessed and prosperous 2024. So, uh, Natalie, we've been going at it rightly. We've actually got two guests on this morning. We've talked to Gemma Cooper. Uh, now we only have 15 minutes left, but we also have a few stories up our sleeves to bring to these lovely listeners. Uh, where we're going to go with this one next? I think an important one to start because this uh, was all over uh, my social media. Often we talk about people wanting to ignore the news, not being aware of it. But this, uh, you know, I was asked to join groups on Facebook's petition. Uh, this XL bully story is huge. So the new uh, legislation came in yesterday. Uh, owners have been urged to apply for a certificate of exemption. Uh, and the deadline was January the 31st. Um, it will now be a criminal offence to own an XL bully in England and Wales without a certificate from February the 1st. To qualify for an exemption certificate, owners must prove their XL bully has been neutered by June 30th. If the pup is less than a year old, they must be neutered by the end of 2024. Evidence must be provided. And the problem is that people now uh, don't want to muzzle their dogs. For some reason, that's a huge thing. They're getting abandoned at vets. Uh, they're going to say that hundreds could possibly be euthanized, which is what people are extremely upset about. The idea that healthy and, and safe dogs are just going to be put down. Why? Because a government suddenly decided that they don't want them. Um, yeah, people aren't very happy about it at all, Rick, and uh, something just to make people aware. Yeah, and, and what they're asking to do, uh, to get rid of the dog breed completely, you know, we've talked about this on and off over the last, what, six months since these we attacks have. were first, uh, you know, started to be reporting and since, not sensationalized, I don't want to say that, but they started to be focused on in the mainstream media. And you rightly predicted this could be leading up to a potential ban on the breed or at least a cut down on the breed by the end of the year, which actually has happened. Uh, the government are asking owners to get a certificate and obviously validate their ownership to new to the dog also to keep it on a on a muzzle on a lead in public i don't think it's a big ask for a dog like that not to be letting it run free in a public place and even as far as muzzling goes 
you know, I've seen some horrible dog muzzles with owners out with dogs where they're like Velcro straps where they have the dog's mouth almost taped shut, which is ridiculous. But muzzles don't have to be like that. They can be, you know, the dog can still open its mouth and breathe freely. It just simply can't lock its teeth around anyone uh, if it decides to go on the rampage. Some of the things here, I think, are complete overkill on the government's part. But then again, some things like asking, in fact, that was one of our suggestions was, you know, if you have a dog like that, you should absolutely keep it on a lead and muzzled if it's in a public place, just in case it gets off and causes havoc with people that's not too much of an ask do you think to to be honest if the new legislation just was stated that exiled bullies need to be on a lead and muzzled in public Mm. i don't think many people would have had too much of a problem um Mm -hmm. as you said though i'd already pointed out uh we analyzed the news here um before this had even happened i'd pointed out to you this isn't quite right rick i'm just seeing constant stories not about dogs in general but about just one breed they're focusing on XL bullies i said something's going to happen we know they don't put anything in the mainstream media unless it's for a purpose and i said they're going to be banned something's going to happen and the problem for this story for me it's the certificate that you need so if it starts with the xl bully where else does it lead so now you have to pay uh for your animal to be neutered you have to pay for a certificate uh what 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 is it going to lead to is it going to be all pets eventually is this why they're starting it is this really about xl bully and dog attacks or is this about more money and control for the government and i fear that that's the truth because if it was really for safety why not just start with muzzling in a lead rick why do you have to go the whole hog and suddenly in two within two months does everybody have to have a certificate, have to pay money? It, it, it just, it doesn't all seem quite right to me. And of course, if you're taking a dog to a vet to get any procedure done, it costs an arm and a leg as well. And I'm not saying that these procedures necessarily shouldn't be carried out. But what I'm saying is that it's also a, a big expense economically uh, to take the dog to a vet to get anything done. Hell, we took a cat to the vet uh, to get some antibiotics and it cost 120 quid. Uh, if you're performing yeah. surgery on a dog, if the dog's being neutered, I don't know what the vet bills are. Maybe that's part and parcel of the dog I ownership. But what a, yeah, it's just, it seems to be layer after layer after layer of grief uh, to responsible dog owners out there that have maybe been looking after their pets. Uh, It just seems to be more bureaucracy and red tape and cost to them, making it more of a hassle to actually own the breed. And I think that's why some people are abandoning them. And I think it's cost as well. Um, Not that, you know, I'm not a... Uh, a huge I've never had a pet I'm not a huge dog fan uh, but but I you know the story for me even gets to me the idea that these that these dogs would suddenly be put down why because the government suddenly made a rule two months ago and they've been pushing these in the mainstream media it makes me extremely uncomfortable and I know we've got hopefully some guests coming to talk about this more um, mm-hmm. in the next week who are who are uh, bigger experts in the field so they can give us more details but I just thought it this was a big story that need, people needed to be made aware of and uh, if you can I don't think I don't think signing a petition or anything will make a difference but uh, you know get let people know uh, get it out of put on your own social media because um, I'm, I'm, I don't think it's right and I don't think these dogs should be being putting down within the next week or so because uh, that that is just a travesty yeah it is so um, it is yeah 
yeah so um let's hope that doesn't end up happening because that that some vets by the way have said they will not do that and they, they're saying they're not going to follow the government's advice to do that so let's hope that's the case because the thought of like hundreds of dead dogs around the country for absolutely no reason that's not what i believed we we you know we lived in a, a kind of free democracy and uh you know the government suddenly killing or murdering dogs for no reason is not not what i've ever had an idea of living in so yeah let's keep our fingers crossed on that one and uh, we've got another story here on chicago and its plans on how they're going to deal with their crime crisis rick uh what do you think they're going to do get more police in uh spend more money on uh you know maybe prisons more room how are they going to be dealing what's what's their plan to deal with the massive rate of crime increase there in chicago well, the think tank has got together and decided maybe the best way to attack this one is to whip out the checkbook and start making reparation payments that if the people get enough money and, uh, you know, ancestors are appeased, then all of a sudden it might result in a massive drop in the huge violent crime rate that's currently plaguing Chicago. Chicago's went to the dogs over the years. Natalie, again, we've talked about it a lot, the decline of Chicago in 2023. We talked about the decline of San Francisco in 2023. Many great American cities are literally going down the toilet at the minute. So the Chicago mayor, a chap by the name of Brandon Johnson, wants to pay off descendants of enslaved African-Americans with reparation checks every month. So this is a monthly payment that people are going to get to, quote, these are his words, by the way, not mine, to, quote, end the cycle of violence in crime-ridden metro area run by radical progressive so those are his words and not mine he believes that by making monthly reparation payments to descendants of enslaved african americans somehow that that will result in a drop in the crime rates violent crime rates in inner city chicago you know how he puts the two of those together i don't know but certainly in my opinion if you're being bullied by someone you don't appease the bully by giving him more of your lunch or giving him more money than he's asking for you have to stand up to him and give him a bloody nose sometimes maybe the mayor of chicago needs to get tough on crime instead of paying people monthly payments but it, it kind of seems to me, if you, if you kind of want to rephrase it, you're rewarding criminals. Oh, you're committing lots of crimes. Here you go. Have some money because I need to compensate you for uh, slavery that happened hundreds of years ago that was absolutely nothing to do with your personal responsibility. Put it like that. It's quite crazy isn't it and and how he thinks that will actually sort out crime rates um you know it says in in this article uh you know damage has been done residents are fleeing um he's cut the, they call it a war torn area because so many businesses have gone um the crime rate is so high um in 2022 illinois richest man ken griffin moved the Citadel hedge fund from Chicago to Miami to escape crime and high taxes there because uh, he's already asking uh, a lot from the population. Um, I can't see that uh, compensating, uh, you know, people who are already uh, committing crimes is going to stop them committing crimes. They'll just take the money and go out and carry on committing the crimes. I, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't see uh, his answer. I mean, they're calling it a form of socialism. I saw Holly in the online chat saying, "Is this a form of UBI? Is it the start? Is reparations almost to say, here you go, here's a payment, be a good person and stay at home?" And uh, you know, who knows? Is 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 it a, a well, trial run? Uh, 
Uh, well, it's not UB, and I'll tell you why, because it's only going to black people. Uh, and when <laughs> I say that, this is a fact, uh, and it's a black yeah. mayor that's instigating this. Now, can you imagine if it was a white mayor saying, okay, we're going to play yeah. pay black people to stop committing violent crime. The New York Post actually picked up on this very point. Uh, they showed the mayor's speech and they said, effectively, uh, he is admitting that black people are the culprits of committing yeah. violent crime. And this is coming from a black mayor of Chicago. So this whole race, you, you know, you build race into it. And of course, it's not all violent crime in Chicago is committed by black people. It's not all committed by white people. It's a mixture there. But what this is insinuating, and this is his own words, well, is that's what I was, start yeah. these reparation payments to the decision sentence of slavery, African-Americans, the violent crime in Chicago will stop. So by the fact that we're saying it's black people yeah. are committing these crimes, they're the problem. Yeah, that's exactly what he's saying. So if you're only paying black people uh, the, the reparation check and <laughs> and apparently crime's going to stop, essentially <laughs> you're saying black people are criminal and white people, and we don't need to give white people any money. They don't commit any crime. They're not, they're not they're, doing they're, any They're harm. not the problem. They're not doing any harm. This will sort out the problem. Uh, black people commit crime because of slavery hundreds of years ago. Is that really what we should be promoting? I mean, as a politician, shouldn't it be about personal responsibility? Shouldn't it be about trying to say to people, you want a better life for your here and now and not trying to blame uh, your actions on people uh, from history and on the past? But, you know, obviously it's all to do with your colour of skin. That that yeah. makes all the difference as to whether you're a criminal or not, Rick. And if it had been, if it had been a white mayor that made that comment, which would have been a oh, ridiculous comment they've made, quite frankly, it would have been everywhere, uh, you know, white supremacist and all this and he's labelling. But it came from a black mayor of Chicago. And of course, the thing about it is too, Natalie, they don't want to give people lump sums. They want to give them a monthly payment because let's be honest, if you give somebody a lump sum, they go out and blow it, then they come back to violent crime again. They said, well, if you want this to stop, you're going to have to give us another lump sum. So it's very subtle the way they're actually delivering these reparation payments. They're stretching them out overall. In other words, if you behave yourself in January, you get your payment. If you're good in February, you well, get another payment rather than dumping it all in the bank account on New Year's Day. And then by the 1st of uh, February, it's back to square one again. But that's where I can see where Holly's saying it's almost like a UBI payment because they're almost saying, you know, here you go, here's some money. If you do that and you behave yourself, you can get your next payment. But if you don't behave yourself, then you can't. So, you know, what, what, uh, will it, is it just crime? What else do they have to do to get their reparation payment, Rick? Do they have to make sure they get a digital ID? Uh, as well to go with it. Like I said, it, you know, it, it, it still sounds quite a lot like a UBI payment. It's all about making sure you behave for the government in order to get your payment, right? And this mentality too, you know, because we're pretty much up to time in this one, this mentality that you should be rewarded for doing what's right. You shouldn't be. You should just do what's right in the first place. I, exactly. In schools over here, there were payments made at a time to students, 20 quid a week they were getting just for going to school. So to, to avoid truancy, they're like, if you attend school, you get 20 quid a week. It's the same with uh, some some employers have been approached by employees to say, I didn't take any time off sick last year. I didn't take any sick pay. So at the end of the year, if I'm not sick, you should give me a bonus. It's like, no, you're paid to go and do your day's work. You shouldn't be paid a bonus for not being sick. 
If you are sick, you get sick pay. But it's like, well, I haven't used my sick pay and Natalie used her sick pay. I want a bonus this Christmas. No, you go, you do your job and you shouldn't be getting uh, dividends simply for either going to school or doing your job, or in this case, because one of your ancestors uh, was sadly as a result of slavery and is trying to discourage you from violent crime. But anyway, what a what a mad story, Natalie. What a mad story yeah. to kick off the year. What a mad show. It's all been good here. It's been a blast uh, talking to you again, and uh, it's good to see you again in 2024. We have a lot of the road ahead of us. It's very long <laughs> and very twisty, but we will be back again tomorrow. All being well at the same time on Open Line. I'm Rick Munn. That was Natalie Chill. We will be back after the news with Locked and Loaded and Basil Valentine and Gemma Cooper. Don't go away. Stay tuned to TNT Radio.